Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position along with your favorite beverage to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion today, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Steve M., Nick W., Tumo, I, Tommy C, and Brent S. On the program today is a returning guest, Mr. John Cash has joined us. John is the president and CEO of UR Energy, a Wyoming, United States-focused ISR uranium company that is progressing the restart of the Lost Creek ISR facility. The company also has exploration and development projects at Shirley Basin and Lost Soldier. UR Energy is listed on the New York Stock Exchange under the symbol URG and also on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the symbol URE. John, welcome back to the program. Hey, thank you. It's good to be back on and uh, get everyone caught up with what's going on with UR Energy. Great to have you. Always good to chat and, and we probably should do this more frequently, but we like to space them out, as, as you know, and let folks do some work in the meantime and let the market work as well. Let's dive in right here, John, and get right to what folks are probably thinking about operations update at Lost Creek. Where are we on restart progress? What milestones are upcoming? And when can the market expect first pounds from this restart? Yeah, absolutely. Certainly the ramp up at Lost Creek has been the focus of the company uh, for quite some time now. You know, literally back in late 2021, we made a conscious decision to try to position ourselves to be able to ramp up very quickly uh, when market conditions allowed. So beginning in 2021, we actually started looking at purchasing of material, uh, hiring uh, certain positions, making sure we're staffed and being ready to go, actually uh, initiated some drilling. And uh, what that did, that pre-planning uh, in recognition of uh, the belief that the market was going to be turning, it put us in a position where we could ramp up Lost Creek very quickly. So late last year, as we began to layer in some really good uh, base sales contracts at very good escalated prices, uh, that gave us the uh, confidence we need to bring Lost Creek back into production. And so we made that announcement. And since making that announcement, uh, we've been uh, doing a lot of hiring. October of last year, we had nine people at the mine site. Uh, today, we've got right about 50. We need to hire about five more to be up to full staff there, but we're very, very close on that. Uh, our, our next header house that we'll be turning on is header house 2-4. Uh, we have made great progress there. The wells are installed and tested. Pipelines are put in. Header house is on the foundation. Instrumentation is installed, and we're working on terminating piping and uh, doing some final work there. So really, in summary, uh, to uh, get Header House 2-4 online and uh, then uh, 2-5 after that, we're looking at production within a few weeks. Uh, the winter has been pretty tough on us, to be quite frank. It's been record setting, in fact, with snowfall, wind and cold. Uh, but we've battled through that. Uh, the weather has turned now. It's uh, Today, it's supposed to be, I think, pushing 70 degrees. Uh, thankfully, everyone in Wyoming is in agreement there. We needed some good weather. Uh, but uh, we've turned the corner there and making good strides, and uh, we'll be turning on flow literally within a few weeks. It typically takes about uh, 10 to 14 days once we turn on flow before we see breakthrough in the ore body. 
So it takes that long for the mining fluid to go from the injection well to production. So once we turn on, we expect, uh, you know, effectively 10 to 14 days before we start to see those initial pounds start flowing through the header house and into the processing plant. Uh, and then after that, uh, typically the head grade will climb very rapidly at Lost Creek. We've got great kinetics in the reactions underground. And so we should see meaningful production within a few weeks after that. So, yeah, we're, we're headed in a great direction here, uh, ready to be heading into spring, good weather and being able to ramp up. And I think we're incredibly well positioned to do that with our contracts, uh, with the materials and equipment that we have on site and with our personnel. So we're, we're very happy with how we've been able to position the company. Yeah, I'd be looking forward to seeing that permafrost come off out there and uh, hopefully by mid-May, things will be very, very nice and springtime will certainly be upon us out there. And so I appreciate the update on that and uh, sounds like things are going very well, thanks in part to pre-planning, uh, maybe some avoidance of some of these cost escalations that we've experienced mm -hmm. uh, in the market, which I think you and I can both agree that some of these costs are not coming back. Some of them might for a while. Very good progress there and looking forward to seeing future news with respect to production. On that topic, what is your expectation regarding reaching what you would consider a commercial production level that is steady state? Any rough timeframes you can provide on that? Yeah, we're looking at within two to three months to be at steady state. We're going to produce into our contract book. And plus, we'll do a little bit of uh, spare on top of that uh, just to make sure we cover ourselves, and but also to give us a little bit of room to sell into the spot market uh, if the spot market takes off. But really our objective here is to basically uh, produce what our contract book is. So for this calendar year, 2023, we've already sold 100,000 pounds to the Department of Energy. Uh, got a really nice price on that, uh, $64.47 a pound. That is behind us now. So the production for the remainder of this year, or the contract book uh, for the remainder of this year, we're looking at 200,000 pounds plus or minus a 10% flex. And that's what our production level will be this year. Going into next year, that contract book, and for the next five years thereafter, that contract book goes up to uh, 600,000 pounds a year. And so that's what our production level will be. Uh, that plus maybe a little bit of overage on top of that, uh, just to uh, make sure we don't cut it too close. So. But as far as getting to those commercial scales, uh, you know, we're looking two, three months, we'll be at that production level that we need to fill our contract book. And John, on the contracting front, talk about your position on uncommitted production. Obviously, we know that these uh, Lost Creek can be scaled up even further than what these numbers are that we just mm -hmm. talked about. But talk about uncommitted production at this point for the company and what you would like to see in the market and also in term contracting to potentially fill it out further. And of course, uh, it sounds like you're going to leave a little material uh, for those opportunistic spot sales. Yeah. So I have to be careful not to talk about too many specifics here. I don't want to tip my hand at uh, what would be acceptable to us, but I, I can speak a little bit more broadly about our thought philosophy here, uh, thought process. Uh, but we have wanted to layer in some good, profitable contracts to protect the company. You know, we don't want to be going back to the equity market and tapping that, you know, for years to come, always saying, oh, the market's going to get better, so we're not going to uh, contract pounds. Uh, we're a mining company. We want to mine uranium. Uh, so we wanted to layer in some good, profitable contracts going forward. We've been successful at doing that. 
uh, our contract book again 200,000 pounds this year uh, going to 600,000 pounds each year for the next five years with uh, some opportunity to extend those uh, in the outlying years as well uh, but that gives us great revenue that the company can effectively live on make good uh, profit margins uh, keeping in mind that Lost Creek is a very low cost producer uh, historically, our C1 cash cost of production has been uh, as low as the low $16 a pound range. Uh, the all-in mine site cost that year was a little over $33 a pound. Uh, so that's our break-even on mine site. Uh, now we expect inflation is putting some pressure on that. So we need to add a couple of dollars to each of those to be more realistic and account for inflation. But we believe we can get back close into that range. So the contracts we're signing now and have signed are very profitable on an all-in basis, not uh, just mine site, but on a corporate basis as well. So we're happy to have that good base load revenue that we can build off of. We have a lot of capacity remaining. In fact, the, the vast majority of our capacity is remaining. We owe 600,000 pounds under contract. Our licensed mine capacity is 2.2 million pounds per year. So 600,000 out of 2.2 million has been booked. That leaves us a lot of room. When you talk about mill capacity, we've only sold 600,000 of our 4.2 million pound mill capacity. So we've got a lot of room left to sell into a rising market. And that's the position we wanna be able to be in. Locked in revenues to protect the company, but with tremendous blue sky, opportunity to be able to layer in additional high-priced contracts into an improving market so we're very happy with that we are optimistic that there will be significantly higher prices coming forward but at the same time we are realistic uh you know i hear some people talking about oh the long-term price needs to be 90 100 110 a pound and we're not going to sell production until uh, we get much you know higher prices uh, hey that's fine for them. I don't think that's realistic though. I don't think we see the long-term price, you know, north of $100 a pound. Uh, do I see the long-term price an opportunity to sign 65, $70, $75 a pound contracts going forward? Yeah, I think there's opportunity there and we're looking forward to that, but we, we have to be realistic and uh, each company has to walk the fence on uh, how much they want to sell now versus how much they want to keep uh, to sell into a rising market. We're very fortunate, Lost Creek, that our cost of production is very, very low. So already at today's market, we're already profitable and recognizing that the contract prices we've signed uh, are escalated above a published spot in long term. That puts us into an even more profitable position. And we're, we're again, we're very happy with that and uh, with lots of room to continue to sell and uh, realize even higher profits. So I've probably uh, drawn on too long there, but uh, that's really where we're at right now as a company. Good points, John. And certainly the contracting cycle is going to be very interesting this time around. The ability to source pounds that actually get delivered is a very big question mark. As you know, there's very little companies out there, John, in the world that have the capability and operatorship and everything else required to actually get those pounds to the converter. Quite honestly, with uh, the demand that's coming down, at least from our data, it's going to be very difficult to figure out uh, <laughs> where all that material comes from here. But 
anyway, let's stay on track here. The company recently raised capital of about 40 million US dollars in February. Some market participants questioned the move in these market conditions among cash already on hand. Now with the prior cash on hand and assuming you weren't going well over budget on restart operation expenditures, which I know you're not, talk about what the plan is with these additional funds and why the raise was necessary during February. Just, I would start off by commenting, there's nothing unexpected or surprises. Uh, you know, our, our cost of operations, uh, cost of ramp up is in line with what our expectations were. So there are no surprises there. Uh, really, there were two or three factors that really uh, helped us make the decision on doing the equity raise. We were already very well financed, but as we went through ramp up, we had sufficient funds, but we were gonna start getting low on capital. And it's always dangerous to get low on capital because the bankers know that, the world knows that. And if you go to the market and try to do an equity raise when you're already in a very weak cash position, uh, you get punished for that. And uh, your rates get much worse and we didn't wanna fall into that position. So for that reason, we decided let's raise money while we have money that will make sure we get through ramp up and still have a good strong cash position after ramp up. We also began to feel that uh, the broader market, not just the uranium sector, uh, but the broader market was beginning to soften. A lot of uncertainty in the world today that continues now. And uh, so we wanted to pull the trigger while we still had a very good strong price uh, on our shares. And we were successful in that regard. I certainly am glad I'm not trying to raise money today. I had 92 cents. I'm glad we were able to do it at $1.18. Uh, that uh, minimized the dilution to our shareholders by doing that. And I was really pleased with the rates. Uh, if you take a look at uh, the discount rate, the discount rate uh, on the shares we sold was 4% below the VWAP. Uh, that's outstanding. And uh, so we were uh, glad to bring down the cash at those rates. Uh, but beyond that, beyond uh, you know staying cashed up, beyond timing, uh, we also were looking at M&A, and who knows what the M&A future holds. It's always an uncertain discussion when it comes to M&A, but we believe that there could be some opportunities in 2023, 2024. Uh, we think the deck is going to get reshuffled uh, with regard to ownership on properties as companies look to better position themselves uh, going into an improving market. And so if you don't have the cash, it's hard to have the conversation on M&A. And so we wanted to make sure that we were well positioned there so that we could be at the table, have the conversations uh, with any quality assets that might come on the market. And just one final comment on M&A is, historically, we have been very disciplined in our company when it comes to M&A. We have made very few acquisitions over the years. That, frankly, that's because a lot of the assets, maybe not all, but a lot of the assets that have been on the market really were not of the quality that we were interested in. So we're hopeful that going forward that some quality assets will be on the market and that we'll be able to make acquisition and bring those properties into production. We're not interested in buying properties for the sake of just talking about them and never producing from them. So we're looking only for quality projects and we'll continue to be disciplined in that regard. John, very good responses here on this. I think it's a good conservative approach with respect to the capital raise. Secure the project, 
you don't know what's going to happen in the broad market, which I think things are going to get rougher as this year wears on in the broad market. So this may look to be quite a good opportunistic move. Secure the project, make sure that no matter what, with this capital, that you get to enjoy cash flows. And I think that that's important and you can secure that by doing what you did, regardless of what the market conditions are, say, really going forward, because you do have the underpinning of those term contracts, this is a sustainable approach to running this business. And I think that that is probably worth highlighting, at least from my view. Yeah, I think it I mean, puts us in a position where we are very much insulated from global events. We are insulated from uh, uranium prices, at least for the coming few years. Uh, so we're protected in that regard. And at the same time, we have a lot of blue sky, a lot of production capacity uh, to enjoy higher pricing. Yeah, provide some optionality, as you mentioned there as well, John. So appreciate that. So let's assume everything goes on schedule and on budget at Lost Creek. Cash flows start to come in as things continue to ramp excess cash flows will start to also come or free cash flows if you will what's the next plan besides obviously well field expansion we know that's going to come but you know exploration work development work at shirley basin maybe there's even beyond that uh, at a certain production level excess cash flows to the point where and i know this is a little bit optimistic and looking a long ways out would the company consider if there was nothing else to do with that capital would the company consider dividends once everything is up and going really well yeah, that's a lot to talk about. Uh, so maybe I'll talk about Lost Creek just briefly. Um, the mine life as we know it right now at, at Lost Creek is 14 years. We have done six exploration projects at Lost Creek over the years. And uh, as a result of that exploration, we've brought in a lot of additional pounds. And uh, if you take a look back historically at our various technical reports, you'll see the growth in the story. Our average discovery cost at Lost Creek has been 50 cents a pound. So we believe that we can continue to grow that resource base at Lost Creek with additional exploration. That is a forward-looking statement. Certainly there's no guarantee there, but uh, I am a geologist um, familiar with the roll front maps at Lost Creek and the surrounding properties. And uh, I've, there's considerable optimism there that that's uh, quite possible. I would encourage the viewers to take a look at our technical report. It includes a map that shows our resources, but it also shows the redox fronts that are the host to that mineralization. And what they're gonna see is there are a lot of roll fronts out there that we know vaguely where they are based on drilling, but that we have not gone and chased them down and uh, to define additional resource. So we believe we've got a lot of potential to grow the resource there. So getting back to your question of what do we do with that free cash flow, uh, exploration certainly is one of the things that we would like to do, grow that resource at Lost Creek, uh, not just at Lost Creek, but the surrounding properties, LC East, L, uh, LC South, North and West. We have a lot of room. In fact, we have about 35,000 acres uh, within that contiguous block there in the Great Divide Basin. Uh, beyond that, but still within the Great Divide Basin, we have our North Hadsel property. Uh, we believe we've got some opportunity uh, to uh, build out a resource there based on some historic drilling. 
certainly uh, a lot would need to be done before that can happen. We also have lost soldier as well, uh, that really our focus has been taken away from that because we've been focusing so much on Lost Creek and Shirley Basin. Uh, I would comment as well on Shirley Basin uh, and exploration. Shirley Basin, uh, one of the reasons we acquired it is it is completely drilled out. It, uh, all of the resource there, the 8.8 .8 million pounds, is all in the measured and indicated categories. It's been heavily drilled. The benefit that that provides is there's very little money that needs to be spent. In fact, no money needs to be spent on exploration or delineation. We have enough data already that our geologists have been able to plan out all of the mining patterns for the entire mine. So we don't need to spend money on that at Shirley. The downside, of course, is we can't grow that resource, but that really helps us to mine at a very low cost. The pounds there are shallow. A lot of the infrastructure is already in place and completely drilled out. So we've got a bit of diversity in properties there when you compare Shirley to Lost Creek, with Shirley being ready to go uh, all in and Lost Creek with a lot of exploration potential. So, but uh, you know, going back to your question, uh, would we look at dividends or maybe a share buyback? Um, that's not been a part of our serious conversations uh, within the executive or, or board level, but it certainly is not off of the table and it may be something that we look at in the future, uh, but not in the near term. So, but we'll, we'll, we'll watch those cash flows watch how things develop going forward. And of course, if we're successful on M&A, some of that cash may be utilized to advance production, and maybe not necessarily just at Shirley Basin, but maybe if we make acquisition, uh, bringing in some additional pounds from a third or a fourth project even. So a lot of opportunity going forward. It's always a balance with respect to, you know, how you handle that free cash flow. What's the maximum value proposition that can be had? What can dividends do when the company's been completely underpinned on sustainability and operations going forward and what that can do for attractiveness for investors, et cetera, once everything's set up and going. So it's always a bit of a tightrope to balance those things. How about another piece here? And I appreciate you talking about M&A. I'll uh, refrain from talking further about mergers, partnering, acquisitions, et cetera. But one of the other things that goes with this a bit on the topic that you brought up was that we did see recent news that the company in Strathmore plus Uranium have entered into an agreement to potentially work together on certain projects. Can you talk a little bit about that and give us the UR Energy perspective? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and of course, I can't talk about too many details, uh, but certainly the agreement that we've signed so far with Strathmore it allows us to talk about the uh, that we have an agreement and we are looking at working together on projects going forward. Uh, so Strathmore has several properties uh, that are not too far from our Shirley Basin property, but also from our Lost Creek property. And it makes a lot of sense uh, since we have built out capacity at Lost Creek that's fully licensed. And we also have a lot of infrastructure at Shirley Basin and licensing in place, although the mill itself is not built out, uh, that we look for opportunities for toll processing or other uh, ways that we can work together with our neighbors. Uh, you know, those licenses are not easy to get. They're expensive. They're time consuming. 
And if we're able to share that license with other producers in the area, such as Strathmore, it provides us a tremendous benefit to them as far as cost and timing, but not just on the licensing, but actually within the operation itself. Now, Strathmore, uh, if they're successful in bringing in one of their uh, facilities into production, uh, they don't have to worry about building out a plant. They don't have to worry about the capital expenditure. So it becomes a much easier proposition uh, when you start talking about the economics on a property if you don't have to cross those thresholds. So we uh, look forward to continuing to work with Strathmore. Uh, We'll probably be very uh, silent about that going forward as we talk about details of uh, what we can and can't do with them. Uh, But, uh, you know, as long as we've got open capacity in our mill, either at Shirley or at Lost Creek, we're happy to talk to competitors about toll processing. And in fact, when we did the licensing on both of those properties, we left extra room in the license for toll processing for that eventuality should it occur. So this has been uh, contemplated for you know, literally the last uh, 14 years. And so hopefully that bears fruit and also provides a benefit to Strathmore as well. Very interesting and appreciate you uh, covering off a little bit of information on that. John, how about sustainability, community efforts and research and development at the company? Why don't you talk about these efforts and how they add value? You know, we're, we're really fortunate to work in the state of Wyoming. Uh, We have a sophisticated regulatory regime that has been working in the uranium space for many, many decades. Uh, The population of Wyoming is broadly supportive of mining, including uranium mining. But bringing it into our projects at Shirley Basin and at Lost Creek, we have a lot of local support. So not just statewide, but local as well. Uh, Our ranchers at uh, Shirley Basin, for example, are incredibly supportive, very helpful to us, uh, great advocates for us. And likewise, at Lost Creek, we've got great local support. Over the last few months, I've had an opportunity to meet with the mayor of Bear Oil, which is our closest community. Uh, They are very supportive there. I've also had an opportunity to meet with the county commissioners at Sweetwater County. Likewise, they've been very supportive of operations. Um, You know, it's interesting. Uh, Recently, we finished up our final public comment period for LC East and our expansion there. So we're we're wrapping up the permitting on that project. Uh, But there really was no uh, interest from the public in that public comment period. So we were happy to see that. Certainly, the communities are well aware of what we're doing. We keep them up to speed, uh, but we got great local support. One other thing I would comment on is research and development. We've had a number of successes over the years at finding ways to do things better that will lessen our environmental footprint. We've already had significant reductions in the amount of wastewater we generate, and we're working on further research and development to reduce the water consumption even more. I mean, that's one of the uh, complaints that the environmental groups have against in situ mining is water consumption. We've already reduced our consumption by 24%. We have an uh, objective of reducing it by an additional 90%. I don't think we're going to get to zero liquid discharge, but I do believe we have opportunity to uh, further dramatically reduce our water consumption. And so we're working very hard on that. We're also uh, looking at ways to reduce our drill rig time and uh, 
consumption of certain plastic materials. And so we announced uh, last year that we're working on a new casing and installation methodology. Uh, the objective is twofold. Uh, number one, reduce the environmental footprint. Uh, number two, do that while reducing operations costs. So we're through phase one testing on that. We successfully installed six wells. Uh, during that uh, time where we installed those wells, we reduced the drill rig time by 75%. We had to offset that slightly with uh, additional manpower time for our employees, but the rig time, 75% uh, reduction. What that equates to is 75% less noise, 75% less air emissions, 75% less uh, visual impact. And so we're excited about that. And uh, the benefit of the company, we also have a reduction in cost. So we're not done there. I don't want to indicate that that is a success uh, because we're not done. We have to prove still that we can develop those wells and get good injection flow. These are for injection wells only, not for production wells. So we'll be moving into that phase two testing here uh, as we get through ramp up. We've had to take our attention away from R&D uh, for the short term while we ramp up uh, because we have limited manpower, but we'll be putting our manpower back on that as we successfully get through ramp up. So no, we're, we're doing a lot to, to reduce our footprint. The side benefit of that is we are reducing our operations cost and we want to be as sustainable as we possibly can. So a lot going on in that regard. John, interesting approaches. As I like to say, you really can't have stakeholders without investor capital. And so appreciate you guys approaching this in this way, keeping the relationships both at the state level, the county level, local community level going, as well as trying to find ways to optimize operations and also add to the ISR technology and you know provide value enhancements to that approach, which really is a fantastic technology already, but there's always room to improve a bit and make it better. So I appreciate that. Well, let's leave it there for now, John. For potential investors who are listening in, UR Energy has a market capitalization of about 240 million US dollars. Why should the company be considered within the institutional, the fund, the office and retail investor portfolio? You know, I think investors should be seriously looking at us for a number of reasons. Uh, I'll start off with the broad nuclear investing thesis. We are providing fuel for green energy, carbon free energy, and the world is moving in that direction at a rapid pace. So we believe we, uh, we're gonna see tremendous additional demand for our product going forward. But company specific, we are well-financed. We are a proven producer. We have layered in exceptionally good priced, profitable contracts. And uh, we've got a very bright future under those contracts with a lot of room to grow that going forward. So as far as uranium production goes, we are a very clean story, a very simple story, and uh, we like to keep it that way. And uh, we encourage investors to take a look at UR Energy. What's the best way for folks to reach out uh, to the company? So our website is the primary access to us, www.ur-energy.com. It has our contact information on there, all of our financials, project description, technical reports, everything is linked there. Uh, we are in open book. Excellent. Appreciate the update. Good luck with continuing operations out there, and we'll be back in touch soon. All right. Thank you.